Welcome to the latest episode of Oxygen Starved, the podcast that brings you your ABCs, adventure, books, and conversations from 11,000 feet with your esteemed hosts, Dr. Stacy Adler of the Mono County Office of Education and Mr. Christopher Platt of the Mono County Free Library. Welcome, listeners, to another episode of the Oxygen Starved Podcast, where we bring you your ABCs, adventures, books, and conversations from 11,000 feet. I'm your co-host, Stacy, And I'm your other co-host, Christopher. And with us, as always, we have producer Doug. Hi, Doug. Hey, Doug. hey guys. How's it going? Good. Season five, y'all. Oh, season five. Whoop, whoop. Who would have thought? Thank you, listeners, for sticking with us for all this time. We, well, we hope you're sticking with us. <laughs> well, no, that's part of the reason we're still here, right? That's it's right. not. I mean, we love the opportunity just to sit the three of us and chat books and see each other. It's yes. a nice opportunity to do that. But we wouldn't be doing this if we didn't have some dedicated listeners that's out there. Right. So we, that's right. We appreciate all of you very much and love hearing from you. We'll talk about that more later in the show, but... Welcome back. Yeah, it's, it's awesome. It's been a very interesting summer yet again. <laughs> yeah, in good and bad ways, right? Yes. Yeah, well, you know, we're as you all know, we're coming off of a mega big winter and, you know, to proportions that we have never seen before, and that led into a kind of delayed start to the summer. It was almost July 4th before it warmed up. (laughs) And then long after that, before a lot of the snow left the trails, I mean, the mountain was open until the first week of August. Yes, yeah. And then, you know, we were all like talking about, oh, summer's finally here, and oh, by the way, school starts in two weeks. Right, yeah, it was was like the shortest summer on record. And then just recently with all the... The storms, the right. the big Hurricane Hillary, you know, hitting California, which is on. Well, I guess she was a pro- tropical storm by the time she got oh, yeah. to California. But you know, our our thoughts are with all of you that yeah. had driveways washed away and landslides and flooding, and we hope you're you're doing okay. And we should also shout out our friends in Maui. Yes, we're we're devastated for you and. Sending you guys lots of love and support and support. Yeah. It's, it's been a summer, wow. but we did have some good times, right? Yes. I mean, like, yeah. you know, we did, we didn't get to go out on the trails all that much for a variety of reasons, but we did buy some new kayak racks for the car. It was a very great nice. excuse to get up on these lakes, which are very, very full. This yes. Summer. Yeah. So absolutely. That's a real treat. Like, you go out on, Sabrina or Mm -hmm. South Lake and and it feels like, you know, there's the intakes where the waterfalls feed the lakes um, that are normally running, usually at the back end of the lake. But this summer there have been multiple waterfalls coming down into these lakes around here. And it's so beautiful. And I can tell you that Crowley Lake is so clear. (laughs) I mean, there's some pollen on it for sure, but it's just, it's so clear and... Wonderful. And there's so much water in it right now. It's so full. Have you been I have, yeah, quite a bit. Um, In fact, some friends of mine and I went out um, last week and paddled for three hours. Oh, great. And it was... Oh, so much fun and it was so beautiful out there. So that was that was really really great. You know, we were uh, one of the weekends that we went up to, I think it was Lake Sabrina, we were at or South Lake. And um 
uh, Wills had hurt his back. So we mm-hmm. weren't going to go kayaking, but we were going to go up, get out of the heat, and just, you know, read a book and eat lunch. We brought yeah. sandwiches or what have you. And we found nice. a nice little spot on the side of the lake. Mm-hmm. Um, and we watched the other boaters on the lake, you know, which is always super fun. But what I really enjoy watching are the paddlers because they start out at the boat launch. Yes. And like everyone, we're like ladybugs trying to get to the top of the native <laughs> grass, right? Our <laughs> instinct is to go to the back of the lake right. and do the whole back sure. and forth, right? And so you just see them starting out and they've got their lunches and everything and usually a couple of dogs you right. know, mm-hmm. on the board with them. And then the breeze kicks up. And slows them down. Uh, yes. <laughs> and, and starts them doing the death spin. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Going in circles and having to stop and pause. And you just, yeah. it just, you feel for them because it takes forever it, to yes. get against a breeze on a paddle board. Right. Um, but then you're also like, good for you. You're yeah. making it. You can do it. Go. <laughs> you can just, hang in there. Just cheering quietly from the <laughs> sidelines. It was fun. But it is. It's, it is fun to do that for sure. We also had, you know, you talked about the trails having snow. Mm -hmm. So right around the 4th of July, we had some of our our best friends from San Diego come up to stay with us. And they're... The day they got up, they're like, oh, let's just go on a short hike. I'm like, okay, great. We'll take the dog. We'll go to Convict Lake. And they're like, oh, do we have to wear special shoes? Or And we were not <laughs> thinking. We're like, no, just, you know, your tennis shoes, whatever you have right. on is, is fine. It's, it's just the walk around convict. We're yeah. not going up into the trails or anything like that. Well, we did not know that there are two spots at that point in the summer, Mm -hmm. still probably there, that the trail is snow covered and you have to kind of shimmy over (laughs) the snow to get back to the the trail. And that was... They weren't real, real happy with us <laughs> about about having to do that in their flip flops. That of was, not. you know, and you know, and it, it, of course, it happens at places where it's very steep. Where <laughs> right. if you fall, you're you're in the lake, you know, yeah. and and you but that was it was pretty funny. You Can't necessarily just throw some yak. Ice grabs over your flip flops and, and keep no, going. and there's not a, there's nothing to like grab onto, <laughs> you know, to stabilize yourself with your hands because it's all snow. But we made it. It was. Yeah, fine. I hope they still had fun. They did. Good. They did. Yeah, and we took them fishing the next day. Uh, and it was it was a blast. But we also went to the Margarita Festival. I was just about to yeah. say, tell us about that. Yeah. So every year. Um, I, and I believe it was Mike Ledesma um, from Gomez's who who started this Margarita Festival. Mm-hmm. It, it's held in in the Mammoth Lakes Village, and they ha- they'll have some bands playing. And one night is just all different margaritas from all different vendors, you know, locally and and not locally. And then another night, you can pay an extra fee for a tasting. Oh, wow. So this year there was a Mezcal tasting. We, we, we are not Mezcal people. We did not do, we did not go, we did not partake of the Mezcal tasting. So is Mezcal is different than tequila? Okay. I don't know how. Okay. Listeners, (laughs) if you know, tag us, Uh, let us know, but it is a little, it's a different varietal, I think. But, um, we went with some friends, uh, to the, the Margarita night, just the Margarita night. And they had this great band playing and the lead singer had been with Santana. Oh, wow. And so they played a bunch of Santana hits and it was, it was rocking in the village. It was really, really fun. And that's the perfect music to have for a Margarita festival. It was, it was perfect. And it was, it was, it was cold. 
world mm-hmm. <laughs> because we just had the beginning of the rain, not hurricane associated, but yeah. other rain had, yeah. had been happening. And, uh, but it was really, really fun. And if you're, if you're not familiar with how the village um, works in the summer, every weekend they have a different kind of theme or, you know, bands playing and it's free to come and listen to the music. And they always have vendors selling food and drinks. And of course there's all, all the restaurants there. So Mm -hmm. it's just a super, it's always a a happening in the village in the summer. There's always something going on. It's really fun. And the Margarita Festival was great. That's awesome. Yeah. I, you know, that's one of the things I like about the East side is that there is a lot of stuff going on on weekends just around. Right. We we did July 4th up in Bridgeport, Mm -hmm. which is always a treat because it's just jam-packed with an excellent little parade and everyone's in a happy mood. Mm -hmm. And then we went up to Twin Lakes from there and, you know, everyone there is really just in a really happy mood and having fun and fishing and everything like that. And then a lot of the stuff just happening at the campgrounds and the resorts, like story times and, you know... Yeah. Interpretive talks and stuff like that. It's awesome. Yeah, there's there's so much to do and, you know, we sometimes we we forget or we don't take advantage of it as much as we should because we live here but right. it's worth getting out when you do make the effort it's worth it oh, pays awesome. off so it's a lot of fun and um yeah i hope i hope some of our listeners were able to take advantage of it as well well, I think we, between the two of us, got some good ideas for adventures for this coming season. Yes. So we're looking forward to that. And uh, most of the snow is gone, so we have very little excuse not to be out and about. Exactly. And we, and we know we have a very short window where we have to pack all these things in. So we're, <laughs> we're, we're going to be really busy to bring you some really new, fun adventures in these next few episodes. Yeah, so. if you see a... See a Office of Ed car buzzing around the county. Um. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you'll you just wave. It'll be us for sure. We'll, we'll wave back. Most of the time. But we're going to launch right into our, our what we've been reading. Yeah, we both read a lot during the summer. Yes. Just like we did last year. So we thought for this first episode, instead of having a guest, we got some guests lined up, which will be really great. Yes. But for this welcome back episode, mm-hmm. we're just going to talk about a couple of books we each read over the summer, right? Exactly. We're, we're going to ease into season five. <laughs> He's into season five. Yeah, we're, we're keeping the heavy hitters for when fall hits. Right. You, you, you're really ready for them. But we got some fun t- titles to talk about right now. Yes. So why don't yeah. you kick us off, Stace? I'll, I'm happy to do so. So um, my, my son and Christopher's husband both recommended the book, The House in the Cerulean Sea by T.J. Clune to me. And I know it's one of Will's. Mm. I know he loves this book book. Um, and Brody, my son did also, he said, mom, you have to read this. And so, um, I did and I loved, I loved it. I, it, it is listeners. If you are looking for a book that is going to warm your heart and put a smile on your face, read the house in the Cerulean Sea. That's great. It is so good. It's about this man, Linus Baker, and he he lives kind of a lonely life. He lives by himself with his cat, and he has a... I should mention that this is kind of a fantasy. Mm-hmm. Kind of a fantasy. Not, <laughs> not like to the level of... 
you know, the A Court of Thorns and Roses yeah, fantasy. Yeah, yeah, not not like that level, but maybe like Harry Potter-ish fantasy, mm-hmm. like that level. Mm-hmm. And so Linus is a um, caseworker in the department in charge of magical youth um, in where he lives. And um, he is sent by his um, bosses to go and evaluate this house that is run by Arthur Parnassus who, and it is a home for these magical youth who've, it's kind of like an orphanage for, Mm -hmm. for magical youth. So these kids all have special powers or they're special beings. They're different than, you know, typically developing Mm -hmm. kids as as we say in education Mm -hmm. these days. Um, and so Arthur runs this home for these these kids, and he um, he will just he is fiercely protective of them, and mm-hmm. he will do anything to keep them safe. And so Linus is sent to see if indeed these children are being kept safe, but there's there's some sinister reasons why he's he's sent there that he's not. Privy to right, it, and it, I, you know, hijinks ensue as we love to say <laughs> on this in this podcast, and we I don't want to give away any secrets, but um, it is it is just a lovely story, and the way that Linus, who is this solitary individual, through the course of the story and everything that happens, and these children. He become he taps finally gets to tap into his heart and right. Um, he finds it, his family, right? He finds his family. Yeah, it's just oh, I I had a smile on my face like <laughs> the whole time I was reading this book. I was and I was so sad to let these characters go at the at end. the end. Yeah, it was just uh, you know it was such a pleasure and. You know, he is, uh, T.J. Klune has probably broken out in the last five mm-hmm. or six years in a big way to a broader readership. Yes. He's been around a while. Um, and I think this book, House on the Cerulean Sea, really helped that happen a lot. This is one of the most popular books in the library, for sure. Yeah. Um, and that story of kind of the loner protagonist finding their place in the world yeah. is a common thing with his books. He's also written um, Under the Whispering Door, right. which I read, which was delightful. Mm-hmm. And then his most recent is um, Lives of Puppets, which yes. just came out. We have it in the library as well. And so this is kind of a, a theme of his books is people who don't necessarily know that they fit in, mm-hmm. finding people that they fit in with. Absolutely. If if I were still in the classroom, you know, we're all about teaching social emotional learning mm-hmm. and, and coping skills and all that. If I were still in the classroom, f- even for fourth grade up, I would, I would read most of this book to to the, with some editing on my part. Um, (laughs) There are some sinister things. Yes. (laughs) Um, But you know, there, it just is so, it's, it's so much about being different is, is okay. Well, there's so much of that in here. Yeah. Which is, which is powerful, Mm -hmm. which resonates with a lot of readers today of all ages. So again, he kind of, you'd almost think these are young adult books, but he really, they're, 
it's an adult audience yes. that's mostly reading these. And my understanding is for Cerulean C, he was inspired by the story of um, back in the 1800s and early 1900s, you know, the indigenous people's children being mm-hmm. taken, especially in Canada, and put right. in schools to kind mm-hmm. of away from their families right. and be indoctrinated yeah. with what proper education should be right. um, and proper as a proper citizen. Mm-hmm. And so I think that I... I think I read that that was an inspiration for him on this story. I with, could see that as being the case. The whole idea that these that these children who have these very dis, disparate qualities from one another, mm-hmm. uh, you know, but they're different from what we would consider normal society or normal people. Mm-hmm. They, you know, they're they're kind of housed away and you know, the Islanders are like, keep them away from us. You know, we don't want them here. But just anyways, The House in the Cerulean Sea by T.J. Klune. Loved it. Loved it. Loved it. I second that recommendation. That's a great read. I'm glad. I'm glad (laughs) to hear that. Um, The other other book, well, amongst all of the books that I read, because there's a long list, I also read Hello Beautiful by Anne Napolitano, and Mm -hmm. this is her new book. And she also wrote the book Dear Edward, which became a series on one of the streaming (laughs) things. One of the streaming things. I don't know which one. (laughs) But anyways, Hello Beautiful... It couldn't be more different <laughs> from the house in the Cerulean Sea, but it, it's a it's a it's kind of a play on Little Women, in that it centers around these four sisters, mm-hmm. and they all have similar qualities. If you're familiar with Little Women, it, it, the four sisters have are similar archetypes to mm-hmm. the the four sisters in in Little Women, and the. One of the sisters, Julia, she is the hard-charging, go-getter sister. She wants to be a famous writer or mm-hmm. journalist and, you know, nothing's going to stop her. Mm-hmm. Well, she meets this man named William, who is a basketball player at her college. He's kind of aloof. He's kind of um, awkward. Mm-hmm. But she takes him under her wing and he is folded into this family because in this family, you know, one sister is, you can't just, you know, extract one sister from the other. And so he becomes a part of this family and it's like a whole new world to him because he, you know, he was an only child. He, he had a sibling who passed away when he was a baby Mm -hmm. and his parents at that point kind of just dejected him, mm-hmm. you know? And so now he's in this family with these sisters and then because of an event that happens, mm-hmm. I'm going to be very cryptic here. <laughs> he becomes estranged from his wife, Okay, but he still in, you know, keeps in the family with the other sisters and okay. she moves away. The, the ex-wife sister moves away Julia. Julia moves. Okay. But the he's still in the Chicago area with the three sisters. Okay. And and it and how their lives end up interacting and going on as they grow up and become, you know, older, older people like our age mm-hmm. people. Um <laughs> you know, it it just it shows how he evolves right. as as a human being because of the love of, of these right. of these women. Right. And 
Um, you know, it's a gener- multi-generational story. So it, you know, goes on beyond them and the, you know, they, when they have kids mm-hmm. and, and their, what their lives are like. Um, but it was, it was a really good story and great, great characters. Not, I wouldn't say it's a fun read, mm-hmm. but it's not a hard read either. It's just a very thoughtful look at how, families, both biological and found, Mm -hmm. um, can transform us. You know, those, uh, uh, novels around family dynamics are often really popular, right? Because Mm -hmm. I think they resonate with all of us because we've all got family dynamics of some sort. Oh yeah. Um, but it seems, you know, the writers who are courageous enough to tackle a famous story, a classic story in a new way, which we've talked about yes. some in the past, mm-hmm. um, that's kind of a courageous thing. And do you think that they, this book really, um, does it do justice to little women? Is it, I mean, it, it's probably not one for one, but I mean, yeah, you know, it's interesting because when I was putting my notes together for this and, and that in my research, you know, that mm-hmm. came up that this was a, supposed to be a, a play on Little Women. Mm-hmm. I was like, really? I didn't, <laughs> you know, I mean, I could kind of line up the sisters, mm-hmm. you know, with the Little Women sisters and say, okay, this one is this one, this one is that one. Mm-hmm. Beyond that, I didn't, I, per, I did not see okay. the connection, but if... I mean, I'm sure if somebody smarter than I pointed it out to me, I'd say, oh, yeah, okay, I get that. Um, but as, as far as playing off of what Joe, Beth, Meg, and mm-hmm. Amy might be like in a modern day mm-hmm. society, yeah, I mean, I can, that, that could work. I could okay. see that. Um, but in terms of, you know, themes and, uh, I, it was a little, that was a little fragmented for yeah. me. I, I think it's a stretch. Okay. Do you think it's a good book discussion, Vic? Yes. Oh, yeah. So much. Book club. It was a great, great book club pick. Great book club pick because there are so, you could, you could go at this in so many different ways. Yeah. It's, and, yeah. And, and like the Clune, it's really popular in the library. You know, this one, the books get checked out almost as soon mm-hmm. as they get put back on the shelves. Yeah. I mean, so I think it's really, really popular. It's For me, it's one of those books where I think, okay, who would play who in the movie? Okay, <laughs> let's see. Which is a stretch for me because I don't really know actors right. and actresses. It's more, oh, well, the girl in that thing, right. she would be good at this role, but I don't know who they are. <laughs> it's a stretch for me because my whole frame of reference for actors is still like the 90s and right? 80s yeah, movie totally. stars who are all in their 50s now. Right. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I would have a hard time, you know, casting the the twenty somethings in in this right. in this movie. But that's Hello Beautiful by Anne Napolitano. That's awesome. Nice, Two great book. Great book. So just back in. Yeah. How about you? Well, like you, I read a ton over yeah. the summer. And so what I decided to do was pick two that were kind of in the same genre, mm-hmm. one fiction and one nonfiction. So um, I've talked about these kinds of books in the past on the podcast. I like classic movies, yeah. you know, and um, it's kind of like a a quiet pastime of mine. Um, I never seem to have time to watch them anymore, but I still <laughs> do. So I picked two books f- that came out recently for fans of like Turner classic movies or people who just like old, old mm-hmm. movies. So the first one I'll talk about is a debut novel. It's called Do Tell by Lindsay Lynch. 
just mm-hmm. came out this summer. And it's about a middling screen actress, actress Edie O'Dare, perfect name, <laughs> yeah. in the early 1940s Hollywood who goes over to the dark side. She's not really making it in the movies as much as she'd like to. She's getting like best friend roles, never okay. the lead roles. And so she trades in her studio connections to become an all-powerful gossip columnist, sometimes keeping but sometimes exposing the movie industry's latest secrets. So it kind of, th- this is kind of an interesting dynamic, this protagonist, because you know that this is now going to be someone who is going to be delving into different things. And and is she out for blood? Kind of, but kind of not. And that's kind of the question of the book. And I'm not sure that that's entirely resolved, which is Ah, great. Okay. Um, The novel, let's... You know, it's not going to win any Pulitzers. This is a debut novel. It's yeah. just, it's more just sharp and witty and fun. And Lindsay Lynch is clearly inspired by an actual actress who did this named Hedda Hopper. Um, oh, I've like, heard of her. You've heard yeah. of her, right? So sure. she did exactly this thing. And and the main plot centers around a scandal involving, you know, the leading male star of the day and a rising starlet, um, effectively proving how until recently Hollywood was expertly adept at protecting its male leads and kind of, you know, sacrificing the starlets to the wolves, right? Right. right. And one thing you, you she points out in this novel is that ironically those wolves were usually the female fans of the men who did wrong, right? right? So it's kind of an interesting dynamic. Lynch does a great job of capturing the atmosphere of old Hollywood. You know, she takes you onto the studio back lots. She takes you to the cocktail parties and the gossipy award events and all those kinds of things. And she kind of mixes in real names and fake names. So to kind of give it There's a little grounding. A little grounding, exactly. To give it some context and authenticity. And um, so... I won't give away much more than that because mm-hmm. it's just a really kind of a fun novel. I, it's got blurbed by everyone from Ann Patchett to Geraldine Brooks and Adriana Trigiani. And in fact, one novelist, Anthony Mara, who I've talked about mm-hmm. in the past, he wrote a book on Hollywood a couple years ago. He described this novel as artfully capturing the fact that the power of secrets were the secret to power mm. in old Hollywood. And that kind of sums sure. the book up in a nutshell. So is, the, is Lindsay Lynch, is she... Is her background in Hollywood or is this just completely just something from her mind or <laughs> well if it if it isn't her background it is now because clearly it's well researched yeah. she has a passion for it and you're catching me up short on my, my own <laughs> research because she's the one author I didn't research for this one but you know it's she you can tell she's she cares a lot about it right. so she treats the whole era with respect enough that she knows that if she does something completely wrong or she's gets a detail wrong called on it. she's going to be called yeah. on it so interesting but it sounds fun. good Yeah. Sounds really good. good. Um, And then the second book I'll talk about is also kind of of that same time period, but it's nonfiction. And some of you may have heard about this book. It came out in August. It's called Bogey and Bacall, The Surprising True Story of Hollywood's Greatest Love Affair by William Mann. Just the title is amazing. I, I mean, I want to read it. <laughs> you haven't even said a word about it. <laughs> well, and you know, right? Because we grew up with those old movies of Bogey and Bacall, yes. like to have and have not. You know, yeah. you knew, you know how to whistle Steve, right. you, you know, blah, 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 blah. Um, and so William Mann is trying to put a fresh take on this story that hasn't been told before. And, you know, I was one of those college students who had a bogey poster up in my dorm mm-hmm. room because, you know, he was like that anti-hero right. everyman of yep. like Casablanca. Yeah. And, 
Maltese Falcon. And, you know, he was married to multiple women during his life and he ended up, and those were all very controversial marriages. He wasn't the best husband and he finally ended up with Lauren Bacall and that turned out to be supposedly his best marriage. She was less than half his age at the time. I think she was 19. Wow. Um, and they were making their first movie and their chemistry as a couple sparked both on screen and off. So it all kind right. of makes sense. And aside from, you know, starring in the four, they only made four movies together, um, but they hung around with all the big hitters in Hollywood, Tracy and Hepburn, um, Frank Sinatra, John Houston, all those kind of like the heavy drinkers of yeah. Hollywood right. um, in the forties and fifties. And that was their their circle. And then later in life, after he had died, Bacall followed in the footsteps of her idol slash friend, Catherine Hepburn, in the 1970s to cement that fairy tale marriage perception with the release of her own memoir called By Myself. This came out in the 70s. Mm-hmm. Hollywood stars were just really beginning to do kind of tell-all memoirs. Right, right. Um, and this one just hit the bestseller list instantly and stayed there for a very long time. And it reignited interest in the couple, even though by then he was dead for 20 years. Um, Now, the author of this book takes pains to point out just how manufactured their personas were, both by the studio system and then by Bacall herself. Um, In fact, much of the first part of the book, he seems to be doing what I think is like a systematic takedown of the whole bogey image. Um, Apparently, in real life, Humphrey Bogart was a depressive and an alcoholic, and he was really frustrated that he didn't achieve movie stardom in his 20s and 30s Mm. like all his peers did. Mm -hmm. He didn't really become famous till he was in his 40s. Um, And he was like a heavy drinker and really combative and not a pleasant person to be around when that was happening. And then after his death in the fifties, um, he kind of passes out of the picture, right? Mm-hmm. And then now the rest of the story is about Lauren Bacall. And so man takes aim squarely at her in her widowhood. You know, he, he applauds her achievement. She went back right. to New York and worked on Broadway and did mm-hmm. theater and right. won a couple of Tonys for that. Um, but he basically presents her as this petulant kind of hyper controlling, person who was a very distant mother. He quotes her children um, and just not entirely a nice person to be around. And, and, you know, she didn't as much shape the bogey Bacall image as much as she chiseled it in stone. Mm. You know, she refused anyone who probed too deep or right. asked too many questions um, or didn't show the right amount of deference to her. That was her image. And the same thing, she was kind of mimicking Catherine Hepburn mm-hmm. with the Spencer Tracy right. Hepburn book. Yeah. Um, you know, she wanted to turn him into an idol and she was part of that and that was part of her image and she protected right. that very, very... Um, closely for the rest of her life. And look, the author, you know, he professes to admire both of them and to be Mm -hmm. fans of both of them. Um, And again, he acknowledges, you know, there's something to that relationship. They had chemistry that worked. They they didn't divorce. They were there until they had a couple kids and he died. Um, But in, you know, the book I would say is probably the most compelling when he takes the gloves off, Mm -hmm. when he's writing about each of them and you're kind of seeing a dark side that hasn't been told before, which is interesting. It it sounds really interesting. Do you think, you know, she, he uncovers, you know, the reason why she was, you know, what was her motivation to elevate him or them as a couple to this iconic 
status. Yeah. You know, there's a, a few things that he kind of dives in and some of it's psychological. Her father left as a, mm-hmm. she was a girl, right? So, right. you know, it was her mother and her basically. And she was zeroed in to be a movie star. That's what she wanted to be as a young girl. And she uh-huh. met Betty Davis at some event in New York and got her autograph as a teenager. And then from then on, it was all about was, how can I get to Hollywood and right. become a, you know, or on the theater mm-hmm. and become a star. And so, you know, having her very first movie or one of her very first movies be with Humphrey Bogart mm-hmm. into Have and Have Not and have it to be such a smash success. In her mind, she's like, well, of course, I'm born to this. In yeah, a way. That's the right. way the author presents it. Oh, okay. And so she just kind of assumes like I'm Hollywood royalty from the very first movie and I've snagged Humphrey Bogart and together... This is who I am. Does that, was that what he says? Is that what happened that, you know, they met on the screen and Mm -hmm. he was just enthralled with her and bye bye wife and, you know. And the story at the time was that his wife he left her for was an alcoholic and very Mm -hmm. difficult to live with. And so Bogart was actually leaving a problem and going into something he deserved. Um, And what you find out is he was just as much an alcoholic and just as much a problem in that marriage as his former wife was. So um, it's interesting. And then, you know, you feel for... Lauren Bacall by the middle of the book after Bogart dies because she's only in her 30s and she's got two young kids. Hollywood, by that point, she's no longer got Bogart there. And so, you know, the roles aren't coming as much as they used to. She's kind of becoming that character actress who gets a small bit in movies during the 60s here and there. Mm -hmm. So she goes back to New York and works very, very hard in the theater. So she really earns her her awards that she gets there. And then she frankly earns her award for writing that memoir in the 1970s that brought her back into the consciousness. It was a really big book. She updated it later. Later in life and wrote another one. Um, and then, you know, I think she was nominated for an Oscar as an older person with the Barbara Streisand movie um, where she's, I forget the, the mom. Yeah, she's yeah, the mom. She's the mom. Right. I don't know the title. I forget the title of that. I should know it because it's in the book. She also kind of, re- I mean, that book also, if, if I make, if I'm connecting mm-hmm. the dots correctly, I think she had some big like makeup campaigns that she was like commercial campaigns that she was the face of for oh, a she, while. Yeah, I think she did quite a well. bit of that. She was, you know, she um, she continued to act well right. into her old age, um, not in major movies except for that one with yeah. Dreisand. Um, but yeah, she's also... There's also a very famous series of coffee commercials from the 70s. Maybe that's what I'm thinking of. Well, she probably did multiple ones. I mean, she really kept, she worked hard to keep her face out there and she was a glamorous person. Yeah, she was a beautiful woman for sure. So um, it's just interesting here because now there's more, you know, letters and family interviews. And, you know, he interviews her son Mm -hmm. um, with Humphrey Bogart, who um, is, you know, quite open by saying, you know, as a, as, a kid, she was very distant. She wasn't oh. the best mother, you know? Mm. And so, and she acknowledged that in later life, apparently. Right. So it was, just, it was just, it's an interesting take on this kind of mythic Hollywood couple. It kind of right. chips away at the myth a little bit, but you know. I, it's so interesting how as a culture, we do mythologize these, these couples. We do. And right? I'm sure when, you know, 30 years from now, the, the famous couples of Hollywood will be 
mythologized by people younger than us. No, and, it's true. You know, it's just... There was that great documentary that came out about Paul Newman and Joanne Woodward yes, recently. And yeah. that's another example of that, right? right. You learn that he yep. actually cheated on her a lot and whenever yep. their marriage wasn't perfect, but they stayed together, yep. you know? And so, you know, I think you're absolutely right. There'll yep. be a, each generation will have one, which I have no idea what generation this generation. No be. clue. No <laughs> clue. Yeah. But, um, but no, this one is, is it's a fascinating read. I, for those who like Hollywood or movie stars or the bogey and Bacall, mm-hmm. either of them, this is a worthwhile pick and the library will have it as Great. well. And to tell us the name again. Thank you. Bogey and Bacall, the surprising true story of Hollywood's greatest love affair by William Mann just came out this summer. Well, it sounds fascinating. It, Thank you. <laughs> it is fascinating. It and listeners, we will, of course, put links to all four of these titles on our show page and yep. in our Instagram account. So you don't have to be furiously mm-hmm. writing these things down. And right. we will look forward to talking about a number of books this year that we've already started lining up. So Yes. And a number having a number of guests, which we will start with our next episode. And right. so we hope you'll you'll tune in for that. It'll be a very tasty episode. Yeah. That's the clue. That's the clue. <laughs> well, I'm so happy to be back. I'm happy to be back. And I'm happy to be back with both of you, Doug and Stace. It's great to uh, have these conversations. Yes, it's fun. Thank you. Thanks, Doug. And thank you, listeners, for tuning into our first of this season, the fifth season's episode. Remember, you can find us on um, our, the website, oxygenstartedpodcast.com, where you can also comment and listen to previous episodes. You can follow us on Instagram, O2Starved, and Facebook at O2Starved. We love hearing from you and respond to your feedback. So comment, email us, let us know what you're reading, or if there are any particular people you want us to invite on. Um, we would love to hear from you. In the meantime, we'll be back in a couple of weeks with our next episode. See you soon. Bye. Thanks for joining us here for Oxygen Star. Our outro music, Iron Bacon, is composed and performed by Kevin McLeod in Competech.com, Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 License.